Today's word is coming from Luke chapter 13, verses 31 to the end. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go, uh, go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must, ki- I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day. For surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent, sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Look, your house is left you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's the word of the God. Of the Lord. Ursula's going to come and speak to us. Um, and I'm going to pray for Ursula before she starts. But also, in a week or so's time, week tomorrow, she's, um, she's been looking for quite a long time about going into the ministry, and she's got selection conference a week tomorrow. So she'd value your prayers over the next week or so about that. Father, as Ursula comes to speak to us, I pray for your blessing on her and on us as we listen to the words she has to say. Lord, speak to us clearly. And Father, I pray for her in this next week or so that you would give her peace in her heart and a confidence in you as her strength. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Can you hear me? Is that all right? Yes, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) A big heart for God's people. The passage we've just read follows a warning from Jesus to his listeners that God's coming judgment would exclude many of those who believed that they were entitled to enter God's kingdom. We read how Jesus responds to Herod's challenge to his divine call. We read of his thoughts about the future of Jerusalem, which for so long had been the dwelling place of God. We read about aspects of three relationships, Jesus and his relationship with Herod, Jesus and his relationship with the Pharisees, and Jesus and the people of God. Some of the Pharisees came to Jesus with a message from King Herod. Either the Pharisees were concerned for Jesus and had brought him a message to warn him, because there were some that were sympathetic to him, such as Nicodemus, or maybe they were in league with Herod and wanted to make it easier for him to be arrested. In either case, though, the result would have been the same. Jesus would have been distracted away from the path that God had planned for him. We already understand from an earlier part of Luke's Gospel that Herod was deeply unhappy with the idea of prophets operating in his territory, and he was a tyrannical and power-obsessed leader. But interestingly, there's always a bigger rat in the pack, isn't there? And for people who choose to live like that, the bigger rats usually come along. 
and Herod was sent into exile by the Emperor Caligula at the end of his reign. But Jesus doesn't fear Herod or the Pharisees. Jesus was unafraid of their plots against him. And he sends them back to Herod with his reply. Tell that fox, I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In ancient times, particularly in the Jewish tradition, to call someone a fox was an insult. The allusion to the foxes and the destruction that they cause point us forward to Jesus' fate, to his death on the cross. Jesus knows his fate. Prophets perish in Jerusalem. But he will continue with his ministry until his time has come. Verse 33 says it cannot be that a prophet should be killed outside of Jerusalem. Those who heard what Jesus said would have understood him, that he knew what he was doing as he stood up to go. Herod's threat, as God's prophet, it was his destiny to go to Jerusalem to die. But here we see how Jesus responded to a tyrant, to a power-hungry king. He didn't run. He wasn't diminished. He stood firm. Neither was he going to be waylaid by the Pharisees, whether their intentions were for good or evil. He was going to fulfill the calling he had on his life and the work that God intended to complete through him. Pharisees and rulers such as Herod will not stand in the way of God's work or disrupt Jesus' mission to both his people and the whole world. But even though Jesus is looking towards his death, the tragedy is Israel's. Its life story has been to kill and stone the prophets of rejecting God's will. Speaking for God, Jesus says, he has longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. What a tender picture of God's love, of God's desire to love and protect his people but they were not willing. Israel rejected such godly, gentle care. It's such a powerful image, isn't it, created by Jesus? The hen who gathers her reluctant brood under her wings. Jesus was drawing on an ancient Hebrew scripture in which God is likened to a mother hen. His metaphor of himself as a hen gathering his chicks under his wing contrasts with his allusion to Herod as a fox. Herod is the fox in the hen house. I've never kept hens, but patients and friends who do keep hens tell me what they fear most is a, a fox getting into the hen house. The destruction is devastating, and they keep coming back until there are no hens left. But even so, the chicks were reluctant to come under the hen's wings and reject the place of safety. And so judgment comes. Your house is left to you desolate. Recalling the words of the prophet Jeremiah, Jesus warns of the destruction of the temple at the hands of Rome in 70 AD. A warning of approaching exile for a disobedient nation. 
Rather than being under the shadow of God's protective wing, they're exposed, empty and at risk. Brought about by their sin and rejection of God's way. But the desolation will only last until they say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These words are a quote from Psalm 118, verse 26. The words that are spoken when Jesus enters Jerusalem. The psalm described the priest's blessing of the worshipping entourage as it approached the temple, probably led by the king. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. According to some rabbis, Psalm 118 was composed for David's coronation and was to be recited again when the Messiah came, at his anointing. So, Jesus' few words that we read have far-reaching consequences, and despite the abandonment of his people Israel, he speaks of a time when God will be reunited with them, when they recognize him as their Messiah with the words, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And here is hope for the nation's future. And here is hope for us today. For any of us to live outside of relationship with Christ is to live exposed and desolate in a world so full of spiritual promise. By God's grace, Jesus calls us individually by faith to confess our sin and believe in him as our saviour because of his death and resurrection. He gathers us under his wings. We are delivered from danger. We're delivered from evil and we're spiritually healed. God's heart is big enough, sufficient enough for all who come to him. There are still Herods today, despotic leaders, power-hungry people. Fortunately, in this country, we don't live under such a regime. But there are those who experience the abuse of power in their lives, at work, in families, sadly, even in churches sometimes. I've been dealing with a situation recently over the past few months where somebody had made a decision because he could, because he had the power. But its consequences its impact on those of us who had to live under the shadow of that decision could have been quite devastating. And as I thought about it, I tried to think of ways of getting round his decision, of putting the situation right. The temptation was to, was to follow a road that wasn't terribly godly. When I turned to prayer, it just seemed too big. I thought, how can God work here? But amazingly, that person was removed from his position recently, and all the decisions he made have been rescinded. And for those of us who came under the power of those decisions, it's like a weight's been lifted. When others have abused power and have diminished us, have left us battered and bruised. The cross offers deliverance and healing, rebirth and new life. When we've taken a road that did not lead us on a Holy Spirit-led journey, 
when we've listened to the Pharisees. He will forgive and restore us if we turn to him. He offers us protection, deliverance, freedom, sheltering under his wing at the foot of the cross. Years ago, a friend said to me, "Um, Ursula, I've I've got a verse for you. It was at a time when I was, um, let's just say the arrogance of youth. (laughs) Sometimes we think we know it all and um, we don't. (laughs) And the verse was in Song of Solomon. It was 2 verse 15. And it says, catch for us the little foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. Matthew Henry says of this verse, I should say actually that I wasn't very pleased when she gave me the verse because I knew what she was getting at. (laughs) And that was all part of the problem. (laughs) But Matthew Henry says, the first risings of sinful thoughts and desires, the beginnings of trifling pursuits which waste the time, trifling visits, small departures from truth. Whatever would admit some conformity to the world, all these and many more are little foxes which must be removed. You know, that verse has proved to be one of the foundational verses of my Christian life. And so many times it comes back to mind. And I thank God that she had the courage to give it to me all those years ago because it's changed my walk with God. What is it that keeps us from gathering under his wings, from knowing, from experiencing God's big heart for us, his people? What are the little foxes in our lives? Psalm 63 says, Be good to me, God, and now. I've run to you for dear life. I'm hiding out under your wings until the hurricane blows over we can do that because we know that God has a big heart for us his people but he wants us to share that big heart with others for some he has a particular call to offer the pastoral wing of care to others maybe as street pastors maybe to those in debt maybe to those who don't function very well, who don't cope with life very well, or maybe to others in God's family, to encourage God's people to rest, to take protection, to shelter in the safety of being under his wing. Sometimes the first step to acknowledge that he's called us is the hardest But if you sense that God is enlarging your heart to care for people, then step onto the road that runs before you and trust that he will guide you, lead you, and equip you. As we reflect on what Jesus has done for us during Lent, hear the words of Psalm 17. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. And Psalm 36 verse 7 says... How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People, take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Thank you. Amen.